I'm Kieran. And I'm Eve. This is Kitchen Table Cult. Where two quiverful escapees talk about our experiences in the cultish underbelly of the religious right. No high court justice shows such promise as our favorite, Clarence Thomas. You're a jurist for the ages who sends liberals into rages. With your mighty brain and quill, you cramp the style of Hillary and Bill. We're thrilled you've stopped the left's destruction to be a voice for strict construction. With courageous resolution, you stick to the text of our Constitution. We're glad you've started to slap the paws of liberals misusing the Commerce Clause. Justice Thomas, please don't relent in seeking out original intent. As we watch you face the strife, we thank God you're there for life. This poem is not up to code. This poem just doesn't. No, this poem. This, editor. this poem is structurally unsound and should not be. It's not safe for human habitation. But Eve, I thought the only rule of poems was that they had to rhyme. Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> this is not a poem. This is a ditty. <laughs> it, I will stake my professional reputation on this. <laughs> this does not qualify as poetry. Sorry, Phyllis. <sighs> okay, so that you did you did it. I'm so proud of you. I did it. I did it. That was Phyllis Schlafly wrote that for Clarence Thomas on July 18th, 1996, because Clarence Thomas won the Eagle Award. And that What's was the, the whole thing. What is the Eagle Award, Kieran? It's like I'm being so mean. <laughs> Karen's it's so like, mad at me. <laughs> when, when you're when you're a good little Christo fascist who's doing what Phyllis Schlafly wants you to do, you get awarded at an annual conference. And if you're lucky, she'll write you a poem. A ditty. A ditty. Not a goddamn poem. <laughs> get it together. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. Mom, take me home. Karen's calling. Sing <laughs> a poem again. Can you pick me up? <laughs> I want to leave this podcast. <laughs> I, like, I like that. That's the problem, and not the actual like writing itself. It's just no. Well, you're not responsible for how terrible. That's this is. true. That's true. Phyllis is, or whoever ghostwrote it for Phyllis. Yeah, because I guarantee probably you, her child. <sighs> She's probably like, hey, this counts as writing homework. She wasn't a homeschool mom. No, but it, she can still say that. Like, is her right. kid really going to challenge her? I mean, I think they're all adults by then, so maybe. Um, <laughs> we're way off. Hi, Karen. How are you? <laughs> Hi. Kara just had to have a shot of whiskey to deal with that, and it is way too early in the morning for me to be joining them, and I'm mad. Yeah, that's why I read the poem, though, because it's a reasonable o'clock for me to have a shot of whiskey. I've had two cups of coffee and nothing else today. We're good. This is Yeah, great. it's I fine. This is fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, we are continuing to talk about Ginny Thomas. Mm-hmm. Going back to old Virginia. Yeah. And, um, hi, I'm Eve, and that's Kieran, and we're we're really not together. It's fine. 
these things happen. Okay. So you can leave a cult, but not leave the cult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, as anyone who's been on exvangelical Twitter. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, wait, but wait. First off, the problem with the cult is not what they believe here. And the problem with the cult is how they interact with other humans and the truth, right? Mm-hmm. So what are our characteristics of a cult that we like to remind people of? You can't dissent. There are questions you are, you're not allowed to ask. You're not allowed to ask questions. If you do ask questions, you are ostracized or excommunicated. Or ritually shamed. Or shamed. And if you're if you step out of line or don't show up for whatever it is that is being required of you, you are harassed slash love bombed back into submission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of bait and switch with like conditional affection. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually there's like some authority you're not allowed to question in addition to whatever the group belief is. Yeah. But also just like it's it's the like fucked up version of communal culture. So like I believe very strongly that like we're all in this group project together and should be taking care of each other. And in the cult, it's we're all in this group project together and we should be taking care of the ideology or the belief system or exactly the like the group. I um, like reputation and progress. And it's not about like actually, you know, meeting individual needs or like being there for each other is being there for the like purposes of like showing out your loyalty to the group. Yep. And a lot of parts of that also involve like bringing more people into the group or in the case of Phyllis Schlafly's work, making sure that everyone is forced to live under these standards that you decide are good. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I mean, like, yeah. The, 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 like, there's a lot of people who are making a lot of hay while the sun shines about what a cult is and, like, describing lots of things as cults. And I really just am like, I don't know. There's like we're using this term really broadly. It's like the, the trauma discourse. Like in my case, I'm like, yes, everything is trauma. And also, yes, everything is a cult, but also not everything is a cult because you don't get, you don't lose your life, Mm -hmm. your livelihood, your community. If you leave, like you can bail on these things and like, you're fine. You're not so like, incapable of existing outside the group that you flounder and 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 struggle to reintegrate into normal society and that's really where this all stuff all this stuff kind of gets gets you yes (laughs) jenny thomas left one cult but she had never left the original one right Exactly. She, her mom was an original 
member of the Schlafly's group. She grew up inside of Schlafly's movement and has spent her entire life working on making sure that Christo-fascist ideologues are put into places of power and has been using her status as the wife of a Supreme Court justice to ensure that that happens. And I'm here to tell you that just because she left Lifespring does not mean that she has left cults in general (laughs) or the cult that she grew up in behind because she hasn't. You can leave the fundamentalism but still be a fundamentalist. Exactly. And it all comes down to like the mindset. Like her problem with Lifespring wasn't that like – wasn't about like their beliefs or even necessarily like that the way they conducted themselves was bad. She just didn't like that she was being body shamed and that's what made her leave, which like fair, valid, good reason to go. Yeah, no, like she, (laughs) she was perfectly right to like want to get out of that. And like, and she was pretty traumatized by it. And if she had tried to leave this other universe, she would have been even more traumatized. And I can see why that would be incentive to not leave. Mm-hmm. You, your mom, your husband, your your entire career—they're all built on this. So, like, yeah, you'd you would lose a lot. Yeah. Okay, so let's like go back. Longtime listeners of the pod know lifelong enemy of the pod, Phyllis Schlafly. But like, <laughs> we should probably give a little like primer. It's always always good to to remind people. Whenever people are like, so tell me about why all of this is connected to all of that in regard to Trump and politics and me and my upbringing, I'm like, have you heard the one about Phyllis Schlafly? That's what we need to put on a (laughs) t-shirt. With the rumor weed. Have you heard the one about Phyllis Schlafly? (laughs) Where's the rumor weed? Just like pull down his sunglasses being like, have you heard the one about Phyllis Schlafly? (laughs) But yes, person I know. So what's the one about Phyllis Schlafly, Eve, since you wrote the paper on it? (laughs) Okay, fine. We're going to put my grad school bullshit research paper on up on (laughs) show notes for this. So the first time it'll get published. (laughs) Phyllis, this is what I've been saying all over forever is just like Phyllis Schlafly invented the grassroots organizing and the like, the like sidestepping of the human rights conversation for the evangelical right and is why we have what we have today things that you and i kieran would consider human rights are considered privileges and things that you and i would not consider (laughs) to be human rights like oh i don't know carrying a loaded gun on a plane (laughs) just you know an example that guy pulled out of nowhere yeah Um, definitely nothing that happened this week Nothing that happened this week with anyone we know. No. Those kinds of things that we would consider privileges are considered rights. And it's just like there's this whole like disconnect between the concept of human rights. And so there's there's this conversational passing of ships in the night in terms of defining terms between the right and the left about what human rights means. And that's one of the things that Phyllis Lockley really pushed because – she framed the the things that the ERA was going to do, the Equal Rights Amendment, um, which she was pivotal in preventing um, from being 
ratified and added to our national constitution. Like those things that women had because of their default inequality that were supposed to be like placeholder protections. So things like, okay, so, you know, you won't be drafted and, you know, the courts are going to default to like assuming that you're the primary caregiver for the kids. So you will probably get custody and also alimony if you Mm -hmm. split up with your husband, like these things she framed as like, these are things that will be taken away from you. These are protections that will be taken away from you for given equality. And the, like the, these are, it's just kind of flipping the discourse on rights Yep. again and start it. And that's, that's really one of the ways that she popularized this flip. And so when she um, was able to end the ratification of the Equal Rights Amendment and actually reverse the position in certain states on their ratification of the Equal Rights Amendment by, you know, doing her grassroots organizing among conservative Christian homemakers to get them to, to lobby against it the moral majority took notice and was formed in the wake of that mimicking those, those efforts and models that she had established of like, we're using newsletters and we're using like, you know, the, the stay at home moms and we're, you know, all these things that we see Mm -hmm. today with like, for example, how HSLDA hounds legislators with homeschool moms, you know, from all over the country calling them up because they have time (laughs) Things like yep. that. So um, she's she's where a lot of this shit started. And she was a wealthy white woman from the Midwest who married into money and had a lot of kids. She was Catholic. And she, um, you know, had a, a really intense public policy career around, like, the, the Cold War arms race and, you know, you national defense stuff she ran for state senate i believe and she did not she didn't make it but she got some some clout because of that and she's just was able to leverage that into a whole career and she went back to law school after having all of her kids and became a lawyer so all these things are like this is shit that like your average stay-at-home mom wouldn't be able to do because like their husband wouldn't allow them. But like, again, like I'm always talking about like the ones who stay in the conservative homeschool world are the ones who have money to make that lifestyle easy. Mm -hmm. So like she had nannies, she had like, she was able to fly to DC to lobby and come back at the end of the day to put dinner on the table. Like she was able to make that work because she had the funds to do it. Anyone in a lower income bracket would have, struggled and the marriage would have fallen apart right yeah there's no way so the eagle forum was like her her you know organizing group that was um kind of spun out of the newsletter that she started and so this is the the conservative action group that that worked against the era and has that legacy and so when we say that like Jenny Thomas's mom was an original Eagle Forum member. This is what we're talking about. Jenny Thomas's mm-hmm. mom 
was a homemaker who was like, yeah, fuck the ERA. I'm going to go call my representatives and say, like, don't take away our, our fundamental rights to not be drafted. <laughs> right. <laughs> I want to remain under my husband and not be able to do things or be seen equally or have any kind of protections because all I want and all anyone should want is to be able to stay home and make babies and bake bread. Mm-hmm. Right. So when, you know, this is, this is where you, you, the poem comes from, you know, Thomas getting his award from the Eagle forum and Ginny also received an award several years later. And let me read this. This is from the New York Times uh, article by Danny Hakeem and Joe Becker. That's really good um, from February about Ginny and, and Clarence. Super long, super worth reading. And it, it reads, the couple returned to the Eagle Forum years later in 2017. This time his wife received the Eagle Award. It was the year that after Schlafly died and the organization, which is dependent on member and conference fees, was struggling. They were featured in the event program and documents show that Ginny Thomas urged attendees to come and hear her and my amazing husband in a personal letter that was part of the event's promotional materials, adding, God can use such an occasion for encouragement and insights. Full registration for the group's annual conference cost $350 as of 2019, which is honestly like not that much for that kind of thing, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. This <laughs> like, pretty on par with those kinds of conferences. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, whatever. Afterward, the organization tweeted a promotional video aimed at prospective members that included footage of the couple's appearance. Now, Kieran, tell me why this might be a problem. So um, there is something that a lot of law people know of as conflict of interest. What is conflict of interest? So you know how, like, if you're really involved with a thing and that thing comes up and there's, like, I don't know, maybe a vote or something and you stand to uh, be either personally benefited or personally not benefited from whatever the outcome of this decision is, most people say that's a conflict of interest because uh, you you can't be impartial in that situation because you have your own life stuff wrapped up in this thing. Aren't judges supposed to be impartial, Kieran? Yeah, they are. And as it turns out... Isn't that like the point of being a judge? See, that's what I was told. That that's yep. that's what that's what Michael Ferris told me. Is, is this one of those things where like our homeschool curriculum lied to us? Yes. Again. Again. <laughs> Again. Again. <laughs> but so what's really interesting is in the same article by the New York Times, they they mention that this is a problem. And as it turns out, the Supreme Court doesn't have its own code of conduct or code of ethics with which to operate by. assume that these people are adults who have been lawyers who know what's up from down. Yeah, I think it is usually assumed. And turns so, out you shouldn't assume anything. Yeah, as as it turns out, there is a federal judicial code of conduct that is not for the Supreme Court, but oftentimes the Supreme Court justices do use that to figure out if it's something they should recuse themselves from. Hmm. Um, and so okay. quoting from that same article that we'll link in the show notes, 
The Federal Judicial Code of Conduct adopted in 1973 restricts judges from being, quote, a speaker, a guest of honor, or featured on the program at fundraising events, which, as a sidebar, is what the Eagle Forum thing was. A fundraiser, and she was on the flyer, and the flyer said that he was going to be featured. Yeah, that's, that makes sense. Seems, mm-hmm. seems about right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So while the code of conduct doesn't apply to the nine justices, Roberts said in a 2011 report that the justices do in fact consult it when assessing their ethical obligations. The statement reiterated by a spokeswoman for the court when we asked for comment. But according to documents and recordings of such events viewed by the Times, Justice Thomas has at least twice headlined annual conferences at the Eagle Forum which we just explained about. Mm. Um, Yeah. And so that, you know, he kind of didn't listen to his own code of conduct. Yeah. But like, why would he do that? Because why would, why would he do that? Because, you know, and, and this is also, he's gotten away with shit before. Why wouldn't he do this again? This is so much less serious. Well, that's his entire career is. Oh, wait. Yeah is doing that and getting away with it. And it's also really interesting because what Clarence and Ginny tell the public is that they're their own individual people and they don't talk to each other about their work and all this shit. Bullshit. But didn't they say they were equally yoked? Yes. That's that's exactly what I wanted to get to. What does that mean, equally yoked? In Christian marriages or Catholic marriages <laughs> – being equally yoked means that you share stuff, everything. Can I just can I just back up here and, and explain to everyone why you dis- made a distinction between Christian and Catholic? There. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your subconscious was doing it, and we gotta explain it. Okay, so once upon a time, I was a little uh, junior at Grove City College, and I was engaged to my boyfriend, and my roommate was engaged to her boyfriend. And uh, her boyfriend was thinking about converting to Catholicism and she was Presbyterian and, oh no, suddenly her dad was going to like fly out from California to like have a talk with him because this was a problem. In case you don't know about like the whole history where like Henry VIII's dick preferences like changed the history of the entire church. There's a story there. You should go look that up. But (laughs) the basic like breakdown is like the Protestant Christians don't consider Catholics to be Christians in the same way that the Catholics might. Catholics are like, probably like these are like eccentric cousins. They were kind of weird, but like whatever. If they like get in line, we'll let them have communion. And the, the conservative Christians are just like, absolutely not. You worship Mary. You worship demons. <laughs> the saints are idols. The saints are idols. So all this basically means that, like, you will hear, like, conversations with, like, young conservative evangelicals where they're talking about, like, being married to a Catholic would be unequally yoked. Like, this would be a problem. And this is a major plot point in, like, the dissolution of my marriage. <laughs> actually (laughs) 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 and that's like my ex-husband was obsessed with this girl but he couldn't be with her because she was a catholic and then suddenly like 
you know, that that had been a problem before we got together. And and when when suddenly he started deconstructing, he realized that like that wasn't actually a real problem and maybe he should have like tried to be with her. And oh, wait, was he ever only ever in love with her and never no one else? And <laughs> I'm telling I'm telling shit I've never told. Anyway, um, unequally yoked basically means that you have to have the exact same theological ideology. And this is where it extends to things like voting. You're like doubling each other's votes. Mm-hmm. If you would be voting against each other, you would be canceling out each other's votes. And so that would be, you'd be unequally yoked. So you're not, you need to be like on the same page voting wise. Otherwise you're unequally yoked. You need to be on the same page on all these things. Like I would hear parenting advice or it's just like, you know, if you're having a disagreement, don't show it in public, like take it in private and work it out because like you would dishonor your husband if you were to bring that conflict out in public, because mm-hmm. it will give the implication that you are, yeah, wait for it, unequally yoked. <laughs> so when they say we are equally yoked, there is this whole cultural evangelicalese subtext being communicated that like you might think like, okay, like they get along. They yeah. are intellectual equals. No, 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 no. It's deeper than that. It means they are, they are in deep ideological lockstep with each other and they yep. do not have secrets. Nope. Nope. So as much as sure, Jenny Thomas may be her own person doing her own thing, running her own grassroots organization that gives names to Donald Trump who are completely unqualified for the positions that they are placed in. Uh, Thomas knows, like Clarence knows about that. Like she's we, acting, she's act, they are acting on each other's behalf when they do things. Yes, yes. Like there is actual conflict of interest between those two and Clarence's rulings and opinions and dissents on subjects because he knows what she's doing. This is basically codependency justified by theology and it turns into a whole fucking problem with your that justice. Yeah. Yeah. So, which is why I say that she is operating with like the authority of a Supreme Court judge behind her because she is, because Mm -hmm. they are married and they are equally yoked and they know as much as they will deny it publicly and as much as the public doesn't understand what it means when they say that they're equally yoked, like they know shit. This is not a one-off quote from them. They had like this is a line that they use to describe their marriage over and over and over again. And the more I read about it, the more I'm running into like they said it at this conference. They said it in this interview. They said it here. They said it. like it just keeps coming up. Like it is, they are telling on themselves so openly. Mm-hmm. And so this is where like Jenny Thomas's involvement with January six really becomes like an actual problem and. All of this context with Schlafly and like Jenny's, you know, lifelong involvement with Eagle Form stuff and like Thomas being like buddy buddies with Schlafly and honored by her, like all of these things give us the playbook to not be surprised by Jenny's involvement in January 6th. Now I wonder what Schlafly would have said about it. Would she have been there? Probably. Probably. She probably would have been organizing it, honestly. Uh, yeah, she probably would have been like, this is a defense of liberty. Yeah. Yeah. So 
what, like, I think it's important to just like, you know, make a whole connection between like, this is where she comes from. This is the ideology she has. So when Thomas is like super quiet on the bench and does not like have a lot of opinions, like when he comes out into public in these fundraising events and these little moments like this, this is where we get a glimpse at like what's going on behind the scenes. And I think because of the way they have talked about their marriage, it is fair to say that when Jenny is saying shit in public, that is really, really bad. Clarence is not reprimanding her for a reason. Mm -hmm. We are not getting retractions. We're not getting like apologies. We're, He's not recusing himself. He's not recusing himself. It's because he agrees. Yep. Yep. And something else is like, I haven't done this research, but it would be very interesting to see the correlation between Thomas's recent dissents on issues and the organizing work that Ginny is currently doing or yeah. has been doing. Oh, absolutely. So when you see like the whole texts, you know, with Mark Meadows, where she is like insinuating that the election was rigged, that, you know, this is a heist, this is a false flag thing, like this isn't a attempt to take America down. Like it's interesting that I think the only dissent that I have ever run into that is obvious in their their political public performance is where she is urging Pence to, you know, hold the results of the election null and void. And he is basically saying that Pence doesn't have the authority to do that in that way. Mm -hmm. That's like the only moment of fracture I have ever run into in yep. all of the reading about this that I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. And I was reading earlier today some article where I want to say it was Eastman or something was like coming up with this scheme of like how there would be some justices who would uphold the idea of Pence not counting the votes and the justice that he named was surprise, surprise, Clarence. Mm -hmm. So it's really, it's really, it's really interesting that like we dodged that bullet somehow, but like also super not surprising that you know this is this is where she went with this and this is what she said and the fact that like he isn't recusing himself nothing has happened there's been no like no you know sanctions of his power no like public reprimand of what she has done like i know yep. the senate committee investigating january 6th is working on this and all of that and it's a slow process but like we're all talking about fucking Musk and Twitter in not this. Right. Like, at some point, you have to be able to censure a judge for doing shit like this, for, for not, like, stepping up when it's time to defend the Constitution that they swore to fucking protect. Like, mm -hmm. it's just there's so much evidence that these two, as much as they like to say they're not working together, are on the same page and are willing mm -hmm. to back each other up. And when you have a Supreme Court justice who is willing to back up his insurrectionist of a wife, you have a fucking problem. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so uh, that leads us to a little foreshadowing, doesn't it? Just a little bit. <laughs> so one of the things that this New York Times piece really has a lot of fun with getting into is is just how much. So Jenny Thomas originally supported uh, Ted Cruz for president mm-hmm. and did a lot of like public shitting on Trump and then flipped when Trump was the candidate and sucked up and showed up. So like there'd be like moments where it'd be like a private conference with like Clarence Thomas and whoops, Jenny's there too. Like these kinds of things where it's just weird. Like, They're not working together though at all. It's no, completely no, no. normal. But, like, they, but they come as a package deal. It's like, it's like that thing that would happen with, I don't know if this was just a homeschool world weird thing, but like, remember when you'd like want to hang out with your friend and the mom would be like, yeah, but we're they're like her and her sibling come as a package deal. So you can't hang out yeah. with one without hanging out with both. Cause like yeah. they're best yeah. friends. And it's just like, yeah, oh. we don't have best friends. Do we? That's right. That's bad. Right. Uh, and you would have to like hang out with like this naughty little sister all day too. Mm-hmm. Like that's, yeah. that's what this feels like. Or like when you're like, that couple that is like melded themselves so completely where you're like, I want to hang out with my friend and the partner shows up with them and you're like, like you're not I like you, but I wanted, this is a different kind of hang. Suddenly exactly. the vibe is off and I, this is not what I planned for. And yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what Jenny and Clarence seem to be in their interactions with Trump. So she's like, getting in and getting in and showing up and just being there. And I guess the, like the persistence and flattery works off. Cause I guess, you know, it works on Trump because he assumes that it would work on everybody else. And surprise it doesn't, but it does work on him apparently. Mm-hmm. And so she starts like, you know, really trying to influence him. And one of the things that she does is she is like trying to push nomination nominees for, various uh jobs and this includes like judge vacancies and what was the thing that the the white house staff kept saying when they got these lists well they were really upset about it because a lot of the people that she listed were completely unqualified like people who wouldn't stand up to scrutiny passes background checks Mm -hmm. you know just like minor felonies. All of the people that she presented to Trump to nominate for various positions are people who just are very conservative and agree and or were clerks of her husband's. And or also like wouldn't pass a basic background check because they're just sketchy motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. So if you're mad about mask mandates... I have some news about timelines. That's who you should be mad about. Yeah. So we should be mad at Jenny Thomas as a, as a nation in ways that we haven't even begun to uncover. And mm-hmm. uh, why is this not a bigger story? <laughs> yeah. Like I don't have, obviously, cause I'm not a reporter. I don't have a list of all of the people who Jenny recommended Trump to nominate to various positions, but I do know that, Catherine Mazel was nominated in August of 2020 and Ginny Thomas was giving Trump lists of very conservative people who may or may not also have been clerks of her husband's very recently to nominate to various positions, including vacant judicial seats. 
And also Catherine Massell was a clerk of her husband's. And supremely unqualified. So here we are. I was just I was just reading these two thing these two articles today and my mind was just like that okay. happened in this same like 12 month span. Mm-hmm. There is a non-zero chance that Ginny Thomas handed Trump Catherine Mazel and that's why we now apparently got a bunch of people mid-flight taking off their masks COVID. and breathing their stank ass breath on everybody. Yeah. Just so Ginny Thomas uh, is someone we should definitely be worried about and paying a lot more attention to and focused on stopping mm-hmm. because holy shit. And also mm-hmm. we need to like censure Clarence and get him off the bench because this is like they are, they are clearly treason. They, are, they have told us they are a package deal, and so we need to treat them like a package deal. Yeah. If one in, person is doing treason, the other is just as guilty. Because otherwise, they would be unequally yoked and obligated to divorce each other. Right, which would be a terrible sin. So, so, so not going to happen. Just no. not going to happen. Sounds bad. Oh, <laughs> so angry. <laughs> I'm kind of enjoying this because like I have so many other things in my life right now that I'm angry about. This is like this feels like fan fiction. It's kind of really nice being in Berlin and watching all of this because I get to be angry but I don't have to live with it. So I'm like this is really fucked up and I'm really angry on behalf of my home but also like I can go buy bread and not have to worry about it. So it's mm. fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Rub it in. <laughs> Rub it in, so it also feels like fan fiction, but like close to home, and it's very yeah. rude. Yeah, I would love to be having smaller problems so I could be actually mad about this for real. But yeah, here we are. You'll get there eventually. You'll have smaller problems where this will be even more maddening, and it'll be. Fine. I deserve better problems. You, you do deserve better problems. We all deserve better problems. You can even buy a t-shirt about deserving better problems if you want to. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's on our website. Yeah, it's on our Um, public. Okay, that's enough smoozing. (laughs) (laughs) We have an ad, an actual ad, though, that we haven't recorded, but we need to, like, pitch in at some point here. In lieu of... Uh, having a pre-recorded ad, we can just talk about the ad and then we'll eventually have a, a recording of it. What, y'all, this is going to be the first ad on this podcast. <laughs> I'm so excited. It's not sponsored. We're not even getting any money for it. Obviously. Clearly. <laughs> you'll, you'll understand why in a sec. So um, I'm on the board of C- uh, the Coalition for Responsible Home Education, CREG. And Kieran is the interim executive director. Um, whoa, whoa. Thanks for <laughs> coming in in a pinch. But we are still hiring and for this position permanently. And we have, um, you know, a number of candidates have thrown their name in the ring. And we, it's still a pretty small pool. So we'd really love to get more applications. Um, so if that is you or someone you know of the, like the goal here is to have someone with like deep ties to homeschooling and a 
a lot of passion around these issues. We're at this point not considering people who are not homeschool alumni. Unless no you can homeschooling your- parents, unless you are also an alumni. Please, yeah. thank you. You can make a really good case. Like, well, this is not a like hard and fast rule, but like this is our preference. And if you can make a really good case for for why that's that's you, even though you are X Y Z, like please go and and apply. Like, we would love to hear from you. But you know, just please share the listing. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. You know, this is going to be open for a couple months more. We're taking this process fairly slowly, but we really are um, hoping to get the word out more broadly. So Mm -hmm. that's our non-pre-recorded ad. Yeah. And just as the putting on my interim ED hat for like 10 seconds, the job is part-time. It's really important to me personally that the person who replaces me is someone who is based in the U.S. So you can go to like conferences and stuff because it is expensive to fly me from Berlin to the U.S. Mm-hmm. So we're not doing that. So U.S.-based or Canada, like, you know, contingent to the United Easily States. Easily accessible, please. yeah. Um, and it's not like, it's not an overwhelming amount of work. Like we're hiring for a part-time position. We need someone who knows how to fundraise, and preferably can write grants or knows how to ask people to write grants. And someone who, like, besides having a vision for making homeschooling safe for homeschooled kids across the U.S. and generally someone who can, like, organize volunteers and, and keep them keep them going. But Yeah, so fundraising experience, organization experience – uh, staff management leadership experience and also just comfort like comfort with media um, mm-hmm. and being able to to talk to journalists or speak at events um, in some kind we can work with a lot of things and do a lot of coaching um, and supporting we've got a great great board that's super involved um, in and really generous with their time and you know, so there's a lot of like growth that can happen on the job and that's okay. But just that's, that's kind of what the role entails right now. Yeah. Yeah. And you won't like be dumped into this with knowing nothing. Like I will train mm-hmm. whoever it is and I'm, I'm very good at training people and showing people the ropes. And I really, obviously this is an organization that I really want to succeed. So it's very important to me that, the people who are who wind up being my predecessor care a lot about it and are like, if you can learn, then I am so happy to teach. Yeah, we're we're excited. Um, so throw your name in the hat, share it around. Um, yeah, thanks for supporting our work. Yeah. Okay, and plug. <laughs> that was the longest ad. <laughs> tuned for next time where we talk about this fucking judge and that other fucking judge yeah again all of the judges just why 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 it is so baffling to me that the supreme court does not have like a code of ethics or code of conduct that it is obliged to like because they assumed that everybody would be old white men who would know how to behave like old white men (sighs) clearly (laughs) 
<laughs> anyway, uh, see you next time. Bye. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Cult podcast. Our music is from the track Janet by the Bend the Heavens on their album Stenazzo. Our producer is Dave the Great. Our podcast is made possible by Patreon donations from listeners like you. To support us and join our community on Slack, check out patreon.com slash kitchen table cult pod. Thanks for listening. <laughs>